0: I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen Buck, just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. uh, Remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. It wouldn't be so bad if I were to say This broadcast is intended for mature audiences The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show Are solely those of the person providing them And in no way reflect the station Website or affiliated partners Listener discretion is advised See, that wasn't so bad No, but I did die a little inside You are such a drama queen I never would have had to do stuff like this If Jobs was still around What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass.
1: Hi folks, and welcome to another episode of Commentary of Frack Stars, where we will divulge and digest and dissect everything to do with Battlestar Galactica. Now uh, this week we're going to continue our episode reviews, and we'll be talking about if You Can't Go Home Again, and we also, as well as me and Steve, hi Steve.
2: Hi nice, Colin. Uh, <laughs> we have a guest
1: from the Delta Quadrant Podcast, we have Matt Hanson, hi Matt.
2: Hi guys, thanks for having me.
1: It's a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. So, how's things going over at the Delta Quadrant?
2: All things are going well. For those of you who are listeners who don't know, the Delta Quadrant is a Star Trek Voyager review podcast. Uh, we've been going now for about in September. It'll be three years. And no, not not September. November. It'll be three years. But regardless, we're up to season six now. We just did. Uh, as I speak today on July twentieth, we just recorded the Pathfinder episode yesterday oh,
1: that's a good
2: one yeah, yeah i
1: lot like, i, like, I like
2: get to see some of the tng
1: crew
2: so, yeah does it feel like three years matt you know i i was there for episode three of season one and that was back in like i said november of 2011 it in some ways it doesn't in some ways it doesn't but what i'm, I'm very happy to say is by the time we finish up next year i think we have a lot to be proud about so it's been going well oh, oh yeah sure you
1: know, basically, you're the only original member, mate. Right?
2: I am. Yeah. I am.
1: So you like you the ones in the soaps, the long-serving ones.
2: Oh, I, t- I tell people uh, I'm basically the uh, Alan Alda of the Delta Quadrant podcast.
0: <laughs> I
1: like that. That's like Ken Barlow over here, though. Uh, <laughs> if
3: it's a soap, non-science fiction, I haven't seen it. So. You're married? There must have been a soap under the house at some point. I don't know. Sharon, she'll watch
1: sort of all sorts of things, but not soaps. Oh, no wonder you married that?
2: <laughs>
1: Picked a good one. Right, well, Matt's also a big Battlestar Galactica fan, which is obviously why he's here. Um, so he's going to help us digest this. So this picks up literally right on the heels of last week's episode, where uh, Starbuck crashed. Um, and hot dog is rescued by Boomer, taken back to the base star, uh, not the base star, the battle star. <laughs> <laughs> he's not taken back to the Cylons. <laughs> okay. uh, and Apollo pins his wings on him, which I was quite surprised about, to be honest.
3: Well, yeah, because he, although he didn't do as he was told, he went and supported his teammate, which I think for him is more important you go and you help your team, so. And there's a lot of that, so orders be damned. I'm going to save my <laughs> friend and
1: comrade, so. Is that a use in it, Matt?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, this is real early, so I had to remind myself, when you could tell me what episode it was, where exactly in the series it was, and thankfully it was right near the beginning, because uh, when I turned it on, they, on Netflix, they had the wonderful previously on Battlestar Galactica intro, and as you guys I'm sure well know, Battlestar is a really hard show to just jump into a random episode to because you have so much build up. So I, I kind of was brought up to speed again. This is, so this is early season one. I think it made sense in the fact that Lee is still sort of reeling from uh, the death of his brother earlier. And uh, so I think that's why uh, he takes the extra step here with, with Hot Dog. Yeah, the thing,
1: the thing I found interesting at the start of this as well was, was the, the challenge in Adama where last week he basically was ready to kill Starbuck and this week he's ready to kill the rest of the fleet to save Starbuck.
3: Yeah,
2: but then I, that's I, the two of them, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, she she dropped a major bombshell on him, but it, it, at this point, I mean, Starbuck is pretty much like his daughter. So you could can, can stay mad at your child for a long, long time, but if their lives in danger, you're probably still going to go after them.
3: Yeah. Is it shows just how much he cared for her at this point.
1: Yeah, because he actually says to Apollo, she's family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I also, I mean, it's, jump, it's jumping ahead slightly, but I did i did like that exchange where he said to Apollo that if it was you, we'd never leave.
2: Yeah. That was a, <laughs> that was a nice moment. I really appreciate that. Yeah,
1: because uh,
3: just like with Kara, his relationship with Lee, sort of, it can be on and off depending on what's actually happening. Um, sort of just like in a real family, you'll have good moments and bad moments. Um, but yeah, when sort of the shit hits the fan, they're there for each other.
1: Now talking about the shit hitting the fan, Starbuck is on basically Mars, <laughs> um, complete with high winds, and smashes her knee because her parachute is dragging her across the surface. Yeah. So, and it's now up until now this bit with Cara. Up until now, we've heard another talk about. The lord of Colbo and then some people talk about god and in this particular instance uh kara actually says hi oh god i could do with a little hand so that's the first inclination you get that she doesn't follow like the lords of Colbo.
2: right I must admit
3: i hadn't noticed that one i always thought she was praying to the gods because i'm sure she'd said gods
1: i thought she said god i, I can't that? remember
2: I can't remember exactly, but still, I mean, what you mentioned, it's a hell of a way to wake up. I mean, she's almost dragged off a very large precipice. Yeah, yeah. and
1: I mean, I thought, thought the thing I liked about this was the fact that it wasn't a class M, you know. Yes. All, all too often in science fiction that just every everywhere they land, it's a class M planet. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's to get, so we can get that wonderful ticking clock in the background of the command center. <laughs>
1: yes, she's going to die. Mm-hmm. They use that clock an awful lot, you know.
2: They do. I do remember this that second episode where they would use it because the silence kept attacking them every thirty-three minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Which one will be more? Says it's just the number he plucked out the air; it had no significance. I would
3: have liked to see thirty-three appear more in the series to make it more like Star Trek's forty-seven, but it doesn't. <laughs>
1: No, no. Voyager has the most forty-seven out of anything, doesn't it?
3: Yes,
2: that's certainly true.
3: That's only because um, they got <laughs> the people behind the show got told off for using forty-seven in Deep Space Nine, saying <laughs> don't use it.
1: <laughs> well, even Voyager's registration has got forty-seven in it. It does. And what on Star Trek: already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Anyways, yeah, because getting back to getting back to Kara.
3: Yeah, she <laughs> finally gets rid of the parachute that nearly takes her off um, well it, it makes the Grand Canyon look small by, from what little we saw of it <laughs> um and yeah, she starts all um, clearing up her leg, doesn't she
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, so, the gaffer um, type
3: Yeah, I did like the little thing she got that says whether or not the atmosphere is poisonous or not, It's a little stick you know, like you get to like the alkaline acid tests a yes. little bit of paper it it reminded me of that although um i like the way the sort of suspense that it stays green for a little bit before it goes mm, no you can't breathe it <laughs> <laughs> you would have thought as soon as it opened sort of the elements would have made the thing turn red but no it, there's a few seconds and it's nice bright green and then it goes red and she's like ah <laughs> Rose it.
1: Wow. Although it was impressive we- that her oxygen tank contains 46 hours of air.
3: That's a very good oxygen tank.
2: <laughs> I don't know what kind of technology they have. <laughs> the funny thing is, I don't know how d- delve into spoilers you guys go on the show. I was about to say it's the future, but it's not. <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> now, we work under the assumption that everyone that's going to introduce us
2: watch the series, so... Okay. Spoiler alert, it's not the future. It threw me off the first time I saw it
1: yeah yeah as we find out at the end it's it's completely yeah yeah now the
3: way we tend to do this show is we're assuming that people have got up to the episode we're talking about so we try not to give too many spoilers of what's to come but we'll um, easily talk about what has
1: happened in the series so far okay so the discerning voice on the galactica is colonel Ty. surprise surprise <laughs>
3: He is actually the voice of reason. <laughs>
1: but, is he the uh, voice of reason, though? Or is this just because he doesn't like Starbucks?
3: Yeah, well, that's the thing. You don't actually know. <laughs> um, although he, he sort of comes across, especially when he talks to the president later on, say, and sort of say he's thinking sort of emotionally, I'm here, not of the fleet. Um, and which is completely true. But... Yeah, you've always got to wonder whether or not he just really doesn't care for her or whether or not he's actually sober completely for <laughs> once and he's actually making a rash decision.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I was about to say that the voice of reason in this whole episode is my favourite character, which is President Roslyn. She's the pragmatist. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And she she gives him a little wiper leeway at the start and then winds him in at the end. Yeah. yeah. I do like Roslyn. I think she's brilliant. She's a brilliant actress, and she's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant character as well. Well,
2: She's by far far my favourite character in the whole series, because I've always loved her as well. I think one of the
3: reasons her character works for her so much is the fact that even before she agreed to do the series, it was written for her. So I think that's why it works so well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, no. um, the, The writers, right at the beginning, had her in mind for the part and the part was written for her, and they really hope to the Gods of Kobold that she would actually take it, and yeah, she did.
1: So That would have been an interesting dynamic, then, if someone else had got the part. Yes. That is interesting. You live and learn. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think she's brilliant. She, you know, I mean, she even justified it to um, everyone's flame, slimy devil. He's basically only thinking of his own scheme. Or pretending to think of the flute, yes, Boltar.
3: yes, who does his very strange actions in front of people because <laughs> he's of course, seeing his imaginary sort of, number six, <laughs>
2: <laughs> which sort of I always six. found I found so odd because like that happened. That's a lot of the first se- couple seasons is him playing with that ghost of six, and no one ever really questions it. I mean, they just think he's acting a little weird, but no one ever really is like, "Do you think there's something wrong with this guy?"
1: I don't know. Oh. I mean, in this one, he can get away with it because he said his hands stiff, so that he gets away with the hand movement because he said his hands stiff. But in other episodes, he's walking down the corridors and he's literally to everyone else, he's talking to himself.
3: <laughs> yeah but so no, then how I mean, many people when you're thinking of something or trying to do something do you actually find yourself in conversations with yourself sometimes it's like now i've got to do this gotta do
1: that <laughs> yeah but i don't think i don't think unless you're seriously somewhat wrong in your head i don't think most people have their trousers around their ankles and and have sex with invisible people
2: right or or are arguing with nobody yeah exactly
1: yeah <laughs> you might talk to yourself to, to you know, <laughs> brainstorm a problem. You don't normally argue with yourself. Oh, uh, I don't know. A couple of times I
3: sound like
1: I'm going, no, why have I done this? Yeah, but that's, that's just one sentence, it's not a full-blown <laughs> argument. True. So, I've just looked it up on uh, IMDB. She does say Lords of Colbert. She probably said the Lords of Colbert.
2: Okay. Oh, I
1: thought she had. So, anyway, so we jump back to the um, who's found a Cylon rider? Now, this is where we find out that the Raiders are actually alive.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, which is something that I, I really didn't see coming the first time I watched the series, having no knowledge of Battlestar at all. Um, you just assume that they're piloted by the robots, so... i well, whole thing is,
3: even people who um, watched the original Battlestar probably assumed that there is at least one Cylon inside Because that's how it was beforehand. These, the Raiders that they were in the previous one, did have, there's always like three of them on the bridge.
2: Right, and from from what I understand, I haven't gone back and watched original Battlestar, but original Battlestar I hear was very much more Star Wars-esque. Yeah, it was.
0: Yeah.
1: Although, unlike the Stormtroopers, they could actually see. They could
3: actually hit targets as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, the one with that yeah, stormtroopers. Well, you wrote stormtroopers are bad shots because they can't say nothing. That's why they're such bad shots.
3: <laughs> Wasn't it on one of the original films that one of the original cuts somehow managed to get through? One of them running in and then hitting their head on something and falling over. I'm
1: sure. I've seen oh, it. that's uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Every time people start talking about how so they can shoot or not, I always just see that in my head. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, it's when they're running through the ice tunnels and he literally runs into the wall because he can't see <laughs> nothing.
3: I think there's also another one where they're actually inside one of the ships and they're all going along and one of them cuts the corner a bit too much and hits his head along the bar or something.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. oh, funny.
1: Mind you, you know, Hans Solo's got a broken leg now, but there you
2: go. <laughs>
3: yeah. I don't know if that's going to affect that timeline
2: for getting that released. But they say it's not going to. Yeah, well, they say that. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> but, but but see, it's kind of different because when Disney says something, they're the most powerful company in the world, so if they say that that's the release date, by God, that's going to be the release date.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You are going to release this <laughs> film on time, otherwise we're going to hang you by your balls. <laughs> yeah, the writers are probably still
3: up now, so... <laughs> Still trying to rewrite the script. <laughs>
2: Harrison Ford's not in it.
1: Ah. Well, they said they're going to shoot the scenes.
3: Um,
2: yeah, I was going to say don't why don't they? Leg. I was going to say why don't they just shoot the the stuff around him, like all the stuff that he's not in, plus the stuff where they can fake it. That's what well, I would do. They should have just
3: written it into the script. What? That
1: Done his hit. leg gets cut off by the Millennium Falcon.
3: Oh, that, just that he ends up so it gets hit, he takes a fall and hurts his leg, and. That's the reason why he's yeah, but but, but think so how it. many
2: think how many Star Wars fans are going to be depressed? To, well, I think they're going to be depressed anyway, just seeing that the three people that they love from the original films are just so old now. But can you imagine? <laughs> the, can can you imagine the depression that they would all watch as their beloved Han Solo breaks his geriatric hip on the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, in the and movie? he has to
1: have a hip replacement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so funny. As long as it's not on the NHS waiting list, you'll be alright. Yeah,
3: well that would definitely push the timeline back.
1: <laughs> right, start.
3: Yes, Battlestar.
1: <laughs> as the search for continues, uh, we learn that they are losing, they are using, sorry, they are using Galactus fuel reserves at an alarming rate.
3: Well, not just that, parts as well. The atmosphere of the planet is basically wrecking the, the ships.
1: So, got yeah, I wrote it down, they'd lost um, 13 Vipers.
3: Yeah. So, the problem is they haven't got people to go out there. <laughs> and of course, uh, Madama's saying, send the fuel tank to them.
2: Was huh?
1: Okay. Yeah, and they also start using the civilian ships to look for her, so... Basically, the, the fleet spread out across the quadrant. Yeah, but the to... civilian
3: ships weren't sent to the planet, though. They were sent to other areas of the system just in case her ship didn't go down.
1: Yeah, they just used the Vipers and the Raptors for the for the moon.
3: Yeah, although they couldn't really see anything because their visibility was extremely limited. Because of course, there's a scene where uh, Lee says to the Viper, "Pull
2: up, pull up, pull up." Oh yeah, they almost it? hit a no, they almost hit a wall.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they also took an Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. But I don't get why that were not picked up on, on radar.
2: I don't know, I mean like, I, I, this is only my second time watching this episode, I've only been through Battlestar once, I'm, I'm giving it a few more years and then I'll forget a lot of the stuff and then I'll go through it again. But uh, I, I kept having to remind myself, it's like, oh yeah, Battlestar technology is not like Star Trek sensors, they just don't have that kind of level of sophistication. No, no, they can't see someone coming from
1: five light years away and stuff like that.
2: Right. Yeah. So, which
1: I, this is one of the things I like about Battlestar is it's a lot more believable.
2: Yes, yeah. it's a lot more grounded. Well, if you, as grounded as a science fiction show can be, but it's a little bit more. Yeah, grounded.
1: I mean, there's no lasers; it's, it's bullets and projectiles and space missiles and all that type of stuff. In mm-hmm. fact, yeah.
2: probably the probably the most science fiction thing about their technology is their jump drives. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and from the look of it, they can only do small jumps at a time. Yes.
2: But, I, I, you know, just to go off on a, on a small tangent, that was one of my favorite things about Battlestar was, was the jump technology and how it had to be absolutely precise. Otherwise, they might be jumping into the middle of a planet. It's kind of like the transporter, in a sense, from Star Trek. But um, that was something that I was always was a great source of tension for me. It's like, oh, do we have the correct jump coordinates? Are we going to end up in the middle of a storm? Blah, blah, blah. I love that stuff.
1: Yeah, at all it's one of the things I like about Babylon 5 as well, is they they have to use a giant gate, like in Stargate. Uh-huh. Yeah, they can't just pop out whatever they want to. So, so there you go, Babylon 5, classic Star Trek Babylon 5. When you Star Wars. Stargate, was sorted. So...
3: <laughs> but no, one thing we sort of touched on last week was the fact that um, how Kara survived in the Raider once she breaks atmosphere. But then, yes. I was doing a rewatch of it again, and she finds a little button that opens a hatch, which she then cuts away at the, well, what, what I say would be muscle, almost, to sort of get in. So, all I'm saying is, if she opened this hatch, she would have closed it before going out into space, which is why you didn't get sucked in, although it doesn't explain how she survived the... Well,
1: she actually she cuts she cuts through the membrane to get into to get into the soil and rider, and then she she breaks off, to all intents and purposes, some sort of vein, which gives her oxygen supply, Uh, and then she says right now to get you plugged. So she does. You don't actually see her doing it apart from when she shoves the jacket in the hole, which is kind of weird because I didn't realise you could see the spaceship with with the jacket, but still. (laughs) <laughs> so she she plugs her jacket into the hole, so you, you've got to assume that she put the panel back on that right. she took after getting.
3: Yeah, but still, you wonder how she managed to plug that big bullet hole. Because I've had conversations with this before, it's just like, well, how did she fix the hole that she came up in? And it wasn't until doing a rewatch, it's like, oh yeah, there's a hatch that she found a big button for <laughs> on the outside. Uh, yeah, she, so, could have
1: put, she could have put the hatch back on which would have sealed that bit. Yeah. But yeah, but it's, it's, it's just. Actually, it's actually the, the, the problem, bit is stuffing her jacket into the hole in the side.
0: Yeah, Well, either I, f-
2: Well, either from, that or the fact that the, the ship's alive, maybe if you turn it on, it has a healing factor. You don't
1: know. That's a good that. point, yeah. Yeah. It could self heal. Which mm-hmm. would make sense because otherwise, as a living organism, it's basically every time it gets damaged, you're going to have to. I mean, because I
2: i wondered this too and i just I, the way i wrote it off was it's a they show it's alive it probably when you turn it on it probably has a, a healing factor but then
3: would they really be worried whether a raider is
2: actually hurt or not because
3: once it's dead we know what happens well it, those of us who watch the rest of the series will go into that later I, yeah I but for,
1: what, for, for what what Matt's saying is if, if in combat in order for it to keep fighting it probably self heals yeah but
2: then and it, what, but most of the raiders we see get blown up. If they get blown up, I mean, you can't self-heal because you're blown up. This one kind of landed intact, so...
3: No, what I meant was would they be so worried about having something that would heal in that fashion given the fact that if it was injured or they, or if it was just injured badly and couldn't really be repaired, they'd just kill it based on what we know happens um, to... The organism, because you think about when it comes to um, Razer and what we learn about the ships then. Yeah,
1: yeah. spoilers mm-hmm. first, if you don't watch Razer, that is what actually
2: Right.
3: So, all I'm saying is, would they have really built in something that healed as good as that?
2: I don't know. The silence are mysterious. I still haven't seen the plan yet, so I couldn't even tell you that. That's the I only th- one that I, th- I th- haven't seen. I think seen.
1: Would have, I think would have limited healing abilities. But obviously, if you take a big hit, then yeah, they get decommissioned. Yeah, you've also got to remember they've got the heavy riders as well. That's true. So, uh, things are looking desperate. So, Adam and Lee decide to pull in the cap fighters, which is when we get Rosalind saying, Ah, enough's enough.
2: Yeah, is yeah. this is this past because uh, when she really starts coming down on them is when they go they past what they at the estimated deadline for uh starbucks o2 to run out
1: yeah at at this point adama's working on the principle that she she may have took a reserve oxygen bottle with her
2: right so that's why she's that's why she starts coming down with on her because on him because uh he's kind of operating on nothing but uh empty hope at this point
1: yeah and colonel Ty points it out to him and he releases a major
2: yeah. She was willing to go she was willing to help him when it was still scientifically possible that she could be alright.
1: Yeah, when
3: when it's sort all of past that time that's when she decides she's going aboard the Galactica to figure out exactly what's going on because she thinks this is just too personal and that it's it should no longer be a military decision to stay there and that's basically they're jeopardizing the fleet.
2: And this is what I this always illustrated what I liked most about Rosalind, especially in the, these early seasons, is because what well, she was just the the, what, the secretary of education or something like that. I know she was a school teacher. Yeah. But, but prior to um, the other president getting killed in the silent attack, she was just like the secretary of education, and she she just happened to be the last surviving cabinet crew. Uh, cap- cabinet member after the attack so that's how she got to the presidency but the thing I liked about her is that you know everyone including Adama just like dismisses her like what is that school teacher going to tell us what to do but I like how right away she she never took any crap from anybody she 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 accepted command and she was and she didn't back down from when she had a, a position that she wanted to make so I always loved her Exactly what I want to see in a woman president. Yeah, no, she always was a good character. Oh, even from
3: the beginning, she was challenged, so she really couldn't sort of take any crap, because otherwise her presidency wouldn't have lasted.
2: Exactly, but the thing that I like is that she was never she never was in a position of power, but she took to it right away like a like a real leader, and she didn't back down when people challenged her. I
1: think you'll get that with Hillary, Matt. Right,
2: we'll, I see. we'll see, we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> I would be I'd be I'd be willing to I, let's say let me just say if she's the nominee. she ends up getting the nominee I'll vote for
1: her. I think she will. I think she, I, to be honest, I mean, obviously it's not a heel day what we think over here, but I I think she would be a good president. Yeah. yeah. But of
3: course when she does go across, um across to the Galactica, um that's when she well, she doesn't bump into Ty. Ty deliberately <laughs> goes and bumps into her <laughs> and she's asking for a sit rep. Basically, says we shouldn't be here and it's going to take an order in order to sort of get things moving.
1: Yeah, and he fills her in on why they're doing it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but once again, I like how she has this line and I can't remember exactly what it is, but she's like, I'm not here to give orders. I'm here to, what, have a conversation or discussion or something.
1: Yeah, she politely says, I'm here to bang your heads together.
2: Yeah. And she, put, she puts it
1: in such a, a way, she never raises her voice, she maintains it. The composure, the the tone of the voice doesn't change, and she, which, what she says and the way she says it hits home. Yeah. And so
3: they just look at each other. And, um, so you just get Lee and Bill. Just they, they just look at each other, and Lee goes and calls the C.I.C., hands it to him, and that's it. <laughs> they just give the order to start um, firing up
1: the jump drives.
0: Yeah, and. As
1: Battlestar Galactica itself starts its own jump countdown, we get a driveless warning, and lo and behold, Solon Raider appears. Yep.
3: Now this bit I really did like. Um, yes. <laughs> so because of course she's like, You're right, <laughs> don't shoot first, <laughs> and it's just like, really, you really think they're not going to shoot first? You're a Silon Raider. Why would you think they're going to raid again? Hello, please send us an ID. Are you actually one of ours?
2: No, but it it is odd that it's just a lone Cylon Raider and its flying formation is weird. Well, it wouldn't be so
3: weird this second time because they already found the lone Raider. Now, Yes, more jumped in
2: afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what they talk about, but even as they're approaching it, it's it's flying erratically, which is something that the, the Cylon Raiders don't.
1: Yeah, and yeah. the other thing that that no one picked up on was the fact that the red eye isn't rotating back and forward.
3: But then a lot of the time, the only time they really showed that happening for the most part in the series was really at the beginning when it was them trying to transmit something. So it wasn't always on when they were flying. So I wouldn't find that something that was unusual for the Raiders.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. All you see when they're getting targeted like. But like like Matt said, this thing was basically flying as if the pilot was drunk. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And the the thing I like, the thing I love about this end scene is is what I'm sure you're going to talk about, how Lee is the only one who can launch, because for whatever reason, Hot Dog's launcher doesn't work. Uh, So you have this great sort of um, dogfight chase between Galactica's, what are presumed to be Galactica's two best pilots. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I think it's a brilliant scene and I mean I, when Hot Dog couldn't go when I first watched this so and Hot Dog couldn't I actually thought, great, because he basically would shoot her.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but that's the thing is, yeah, Lee would be having enough knowledge to know that it, something would be unusual and he, he, obviously he doesn't know it's it's Starbuck, but he knows Starbuck. Yeah, so. he knows
3: something's up because he's saying this Raider's good. Um... And then, of course, he goes, um, Latica, there's something weird. What do you mean? Flying in formation with me. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, what do you mean? <laughs> and then, of course, she flips it upside down, and she's written on the bottom, or the top. And, of course, the thing is, is it, well, we never, if you actually watch the sequence before she launches, it doesn't show anything on the top, and she couldn't have got properly underneath to write it. So you don't actually see the writing that says Starbuck <laughs> written underneath, just until that moment <laughs> when she turns it. it just well, she, she could have got underneath because she,
1: she, got, she crawled in on, uh, from the bottom.
3: Yeah, but a lot of it was still under gravel. You, there's only a small section that it looked like she could get under. But when it's launching, it does actually appear that you can see some of the underside. But again, you can't actually see in the CG that it actually says Starbucks on it,
2: right? Well, I, I, thing. Pick I, I, I went with this. <laughs> I went, I bought it though because I thought it was a kind of a stroke of genius on her part. I like seeing Starbucks acting smart. And uh, they, the Cylon thing has no comm system, so what else were they going to do?
3: I know, but one of the things that I think it, it might have even be last. Um, episode that we talked about that how did what was it she used because if it was any organic um, tissue that she used to write the message on then wouldn't that, that burn up as it was leaving the atmosphere where did she get this red paint or something she went to
1: Target and got heat resistant
2: <laughs> <laughs> again this is, this is where I, I let some of this stuff go because this is where the fiction of science fiction comes.
1: Yeah,
3: but no, it, it's always just funny, these little ditty things,
1: and it's just like, the hell? I'm about... actually glad they did that, because I was really worried when I first watched this that I was going to do the old Morse code thing. Yeah,
2: that would have been a little cliche.
1: Yeah, so I was really glad that they, they didn't go down that, because I, my first impression, the first time I watched this episode ever, was that was she was going to use the silo red eye to blink Morse code, and I thought, please don't do that. So I'm really glad that they, they went this way, and you know.
3: Yeah, but no, that was the only. This part of the episode was the only part that I found these sort of goofs in because one was that, and the second one was as you see, um, Kara and Lee coming back in. You see the entire fleet. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, which the is fleet supposed, to supposed to have jumped, to have jumped already. <laughs> yeah,
1: they all come back. That's what <laughs>
3: So the thing is. It's, yeah, yeah. was just like this section of the episode where like the only parts where the <laughs> it's all got goofed up. Like, but, it's like, oh, we need to do this bit quickly.
2: <laughs> but I thought that they were, they were counting down in the middle of a jump, and I thought the way that the jumps works is they all they all you uh, these early episodes they all jumped at once. And uh, well, no,
3: Galactica always jumps last to make sure everyone's gone. I,
2: oh, that's true. That's right. That's right. But uh, I don't know. I. I like, I, maybe the yeah, because he does actually say them.
0: start
1: the clock.
2: Yeah, yeah. they, they were counting down. They were, they were on their way. But yeah,
3: but yeah you always see Galactica going last. Because um, we, we get a point in um, one of them where it's just when it comes to um, one that looks like the Thunderbird ship from 33. Um, the ship that gets shot down in 33, what's it called? Um,
2: oh, um...
1: The Thunderbird is ship. It the,
3: no, no, it the... a bit like the Thunderbird ship. Um, is, is it, was it, it was the, it was the, no, it wasn't the Astral Queen, was it? No, it was the ship that gets shot down in
2: 33. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, the one that, that Lee has to shoot down. <laughs> I'm
1: locking, I'm locking, I'm locking.
2: <laughs> no. The one that Lee has to shoot down.
1: Olympic carrier.
2: That's the one. Olympic carrier, <laughs> that's
3: it. Um, one of the things that Tim D says is I should have checked to make sure all the ships jumped first because that was one of the things. It's just like, did all the ships jump to begin with and um, first? Did they all go? And she's like, I don't know, I think so. So it's obviously somebody's job to make sure the fleet has jumped before Galactica does.
1: I thought that was Gator's job.
3: Well, their job seemed to overcome, but Gator's supposed to be helping Volta at this point.
1: Yeah, but you, normally when they jump, Gaitasai's uh, jump can place.
3: But whether or not he's just monitoring the systems in place, whereas D's monitoring the status of the fleet. Yeah, Because he, he, he does the bit with the countdown on that, so he's more of the system area. Rather, she's checking for um, traffic. She's like, sort of, the Harry Kim. <laughs> she's, she's... No, sort of... well,
2: if you want to get it real technical, for me, as far as the way I feel about the characters, and anyone who gets who listens to the Delta Quadrant will get this. For me, Gaeta was always like, if Chakotay and Harry Kim were combined into one person, it would be him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think saying that Gaeta's Harry Kim's a service to Gaeta.
2: I I don't know. He was the character that I liked the least. I kind of feel like uh um, I kind of feel like D was sort of the Uhura slash coordinator of the whole fleet.
1: Yeah, yeah. And she, she comes in for in a few episodes time and, and then she starts playing a more pivotal role. Yeah. But we won't talk about that just yet. No. So <laughs> let's jump to the B plot then. She's still one that I'm thinking why. <laughs> but uh, we have Hilo and uh, Oh not... yeah,
2: I forgot that about that. Actually. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we have Hilo and he's number 8 who he's calling Sharon. Yeah. Um Still on on Caprica. Uh, and I do I do think it was funny that he went up to make breakfast and used a toaster. Yes, that was just perfect.
3: It was the toaster that gave the toaster. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was perfect. It was just like really you could have snuck on away
2: and just unplugged it. <laughs> I mean out of place as it was, I kind of liked that moment of tension with the Cylon. I always like it when we can see a real Cylon robot up close. I always like the way they looked in this series.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think that design the, of the, the Centurions in, in, the, in this version is brilliant.
2: Yeah,
3: it's very well done. Um, it's a bit it's, it's more sort of android-like in a way. It's made to look a lot more human than the sort of <laughs> the old style ones were.
1: Yeah, um, I, I won't say anything about the old ones because uh, spoilers. Jump ahead a minute if you don't want to know. But we do see the old ones, right? Yeah,
3: but I do like the Which fact I... that they brought those in.
2: Which you know, not having known anything about original Battlestar, I do know what the armor looked like in the old one. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that must be a callback to the the classic one. That's yeah. yeah. They do that a few times, like in
3: the mini series. Um, they've actually got the. Um, original music from the original series playing when they do the flyover on Galactica. Uh huh. That's actually the theme music
2: for the original Battlestar Galactica. Oh, that's cool. See, I li- I kind of like how, I guess, in this reboot universe, the way that they, the Cylons were, and the way that they, the, their specifically their armor looked in the first Cylon War, they looked more closer to the original series, and then in this new Cylon War, you get the rebooted android like looking versions yeah yeah
0: the other
1: thing that got me about this blue plot is um after the firefighter when he wakes up knowing he's on cylon occupied caprica he goes into the street and starts
2: shouting shouting okay. i mean here's the thing i've always felt this about Hilo. uh he his heart is always in the right place but uh he's not always the smartest person <laughs> <laughs> yeah well
3: that's always the problem with the people who always want to do the right thing. It's not always the smartest thing to do because if you look at his character, he will always do the right thing, whether it's to help or hinder the Cylons. Um, right, he and will that, do that, that was the right thing. And, and quite get... frankly,
2: I, I don't know what that made. You know, I kind of disturbed me what it made me sound like as a person, but. Uh, sometimes Hilo would annoy me for doing the right thing and I'm like, wow, what does that say about me that I want him to do something really evil? So
1: <laughs> Right. Trivia then note, this episode is a homage to the original series, which was the return of Starbuck, where the original Starbuck crash landed on a barren planet. That's right. So, and in that one, he has to um, salvage a damaged Cylon, not a Cylon Raider, a Cylon, and use the parts to repair his yeah. own ship.
2: Huh.
1: And also, according to David Elk on the DVD commentary, the interior of the Raider was inspired by Alien. I, think
3: of it. I could see that. It does look like it. Now, what made me laugh is I was having a conversation with a friend at work, and he was saying that he was watching something and looking at it and it was only um even though he's literally he's just got to the end of the entire series but he'd only just noticed that the person who plays hot dog is um in real life um edward james almost who plays adama that's his His real son son. yeah and it's just like i never saw that i didn't get it (laughs) and (laughs) he just couldn't believe it it's just like yeah didn't you check the credits (laughs) <laughs>
2: like, you the check the credits, the they look related.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that was, when I first saw it, I thought, he looks an awful like like that, and then I saw in the credits the name, it's just like, I wonder. So that was the first thing I looked up, and that was, <laughs> so, <laughs> like, eight, nine years ago. It was just like, ah, it is.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: The other thing I like about that is that they haven't seen uh, a guy in spider jump ahead for a bit. They have scenes later where Apollo is talking to him about his father.
2: Yeah, I thought that was cool.
1: So, yeah. The writers being clever. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But this, this is a really good episode. I really do like this episode. If I was to score it on a scale of 1 to 10, I would give it
2: a solid 7. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit higher but just because, it, you know, I, again, not having seen a lot of the series and just coming into this episode at this point, it has everything I pretty much like in a Battlestar episode Conflict, Starbuck being awesome Rosalind being the the president that I want her to be I mean, it's not, I would never hold this up and say this is the best episode of the series, but for me it, it checked all the boxes so I'm going to give it an 8. Excellent
1: So Matt, tell people where to find you in a Delta Quadrant
2: You can find me on the Delta Quadrant podcast. It's a TrekMate podcast at trekmate.org.uk. And you can also find me personally on Twitter. My handle is at mhansen0207, and Hansen is spelled H-A-N-S-E-N.
1: And you can also find the Delta Quadrant on Twitter as well.
2: Yes, uh, the the Delta Quadrant group podcast is at Delta Quadrant Cast, and it's spelled uh, Q-U-A-D-T underscore cast.
1: There you go and as well as being on trekmate you can find matt's podcast on itunes so if you're an apple user then go ahead and download it and trust me it's well worth it it's very really well made podcast they have a great cast on there and like all good podcasts they don't always agree yes yeah. <laughs> i disagree yeah you did, yeah you just cause problems you do so steve where can people find you
3: People can follow me on Twitter at MidnightShadow7 that's night spelled N-I-T-E and the number 7 or they can hear me on another Holosuite Media production which is Tribbles and Ecstasy
1: Excellent, now before I give you my Twitter handle, we did have feedback <gasps> via Twitter Now you can follow us on Twitter at comfrakstars that's C-O-M-F-R-A-K stars or well, you can feedback to us via the website, uh, Hollowsweet Media. But we had some feedback from Kira McDuff, and he said this was the first episode I ever saw. It's the one that convinced me to give the series a go after being in a huff over female starbursts. Yeah, I was that guy. Still, I love Bert Benedict even now. But Katie Saccharoff was terrific throughout. I'm glad I came round to. So there you go. See, I never had a problem with Starbucks being a woman.
2: Neither did I. I love the fact that Starbucks a woman. I mean, I, I'm just. I grew up with strong female heroines. I mean, I look to uh, Ellen Ripley and Sarah Connor as, like, some of my favorite characters of all time. So the fact that Starbucks was a woman in this series, I was all for it.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. It's the same. I mean, I'd love strong female characters. I mean, in, Alien, in aliens, I love the fact that one of the big guns was lugged around by that woman yes, yes. Yeah. and she just like and she was giving everyone so much grief and i was just thinking yeah um that's the type of woman who said who said go make me a of tea. you go yeah, yeah. right yeah yeah you're you you're, <laughs> you're,
2: you're, you're, you're talking about vasquez aren't you yes
1: Machina yes
2: yeah. yeah yeah
1: but she's a brilliant character so there you go ah uh, if you want to follow me on social media function follow me on google plus and twitter at colmh01 and as I said, you can follow us, Stars, on Twitter. You can feedback to us via the website. Or you can email us at commentaryfraxstars, F-I-R-A-C, okay at gmail.com. So if you want to come and talk Babylon 5 or Star Trek with all three of us, then by all means, find us all on Twitter and send us a tweet. Or even better, send us a follow. Indeed. All right, thanks for coming on, Matt. Thank you. And hopefully, you'll come back again soon. I would like to.